I'd like to open a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the uh, message for the day. So if you bow your heads with me. Lord, I pray a blessing on every person that belongs to Harvest, every person that calls this home, every person here today. I pray you bless them and you keep them. I thank you for them, and I pray that the words that I say today can be a blessing to them as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, it's very fun to me that uh, the number seven in the Bible means fullness or completeness. God rests on the seventh day because it's finished. And I love the fact that I'm doing my seventh sermon on the seventh day of the seventh month of the last year I'm going to be living in California. It's a, uh, or for now, it's a beautiful thing, and um, I appreciate that. When God gets involved, things change. That's how I started my first sermon here at, at Harvest. And at the time, I discussed how God had stepped into my life and called me out of a career in, in medicine at UCSD and into a career at, in ministry. But since that change happened, God has continued to get involved and change my life even when I didn't want it to change. So he called me into youth ministry, even though I was terrified of teenagers, even when I was one. <laughs> On the first day of youth ministry, he called me to be on the front stage at VBS as Jesus, something that, again, way, way beyond anything that I, I expected to be doing on my, again, first day of being the intern here. When my mentor left, he called me to be the youth director here for a season. And then I thought that the next logical step was for me to leave and to go to Wheaton and to continue my studies. Uh, and instead, God got involved and things changed. I ended up getting married, so I had to apply to graduate schools um, with her in mind. So I ended up uh, getting accepted to Duke, where I'll be attending for History of Christianity. And then two weeks ago, God got involved, and Savannah got accepted to Duke for the nursing program. So... Um, and... There's one thing, though, that God has surprised me the most with my time at Harvest, where he's gotten involved and changed something. Really, if you were to understand my whole story, just changed it completely. Changed my view of this thing so totally that I can't even begin to explain. And you can see it in my sermons so far. So, so far I've done sermons, and they can pretty much be shortened into about three bullet points. Really, I've done six sermons, but three bullets is all I would really need to explain it. God saves us even when we're being shallow, self-centered people, but he saves us and calls us to a deeper faith, where our identity is based on him, where he transforms us into disciples, and as disciples, we change the world through the, that same radical forgiveness and that understanding that God actually shows up and changes things. All right, that's all I've really said in my six sermons so far, and that's really what my faith was based on for a long time, and I, I love those elements, the fact that God saves us, the fact that he's calling us and transforming us, the fact that he, we base our identity out of him, and that's how we are supposed to live in a way that changes the lives of everyone around us. But looking at these bullets, as I am, though I like what I've written here, and pretty good stuff, there's something deficient with my faith when it was just based on this. And the deficiency is that before coming to Harvest, I did not love church. I'd actually probably go far enough to say that I hated church. I hated attending church. I didn't get the point of being in a place 
where people seemed to barely care about their faith. I didn't get worshiping with people when I could worship on my own and, and do it in a way that was more authentic or whatever it was that I thought it was. I didn't get going to churches, and I went to a lot of large churches, and I don't want to bash large churches. That's, that's not really what I do. But I went to a lot of large churches where the sermons sounded more, all too often like the third chapter of a self-help book titled something along the lines of love and marriage or parenting for dummies or maybe ethics in the workplace. When none of that actually mattered to me and none of that actually rang true to what the gospel, what the Bible was actually saying. Finally, I didn't like going to church where they would try to get me to go to these small groups where we'd sit in a circle and talk about how awesome Jesus was when I could see how awesome Jesus was by reading it myself. I didn't love church because I didn't get it. And there's a history behind that too. Church had hurt my family in the past, a church that wasn't fair to us. And so for me, I just didn't like church. I didn't like attending church. I thought it was boring at times. I didn't like being in a community. None of that appealed to me at any point. But when God gets involved, things change. I came to Harvest and was introduced to a different type of church than what I had experienced. I was introduced to something called the community church. It's a place where I was greeted by someone who seemed to actually care that I was there, not just someone standing at the door who greets everyone, but someone who actually noticed that I was there. Uh, Leslie Yap walked up to me my first day here, and I have no idea how she knew I didn't belong. Yeah, I can't, I can't seem to... <laughs> It's been a puzzle to me for the last uh, four years, but, um, but she actually came up to me and, and greeted me and actually talked to me for a little bit, and, and I loved that. It was like, wow, this is a place where they actually noticed that I'm, I, I'm, I don't usually come here. And I came across people that were actually mature and actually seeking to grow deeper in their faith, people that would actually fall on their knees and worship, and I love that. I love that authentic, authenticity. I love that people were actually seeking that. And greatest of all for me were those moments of true community here. When, um, when the transition happened from Ben to me and then beyond from, from me uh, to Joe, I saw so many parents step up for the youth ministry because they actually cared for these kids. They cared for each other. It, it was such a communal event for me, and I was like, wow, that's, that's so much of what church is supposed to be. Through my time here, I, I got to meet with mentors, first Ben and then Glenn, and, and being able to be, just have wisdom spoken into my life by people further along in their walk with Christ than me, that just spoke to what church is supposed to be. And they don't have to be pastors, per se, for that, if them to do that. And greatest of all for me, that one moment that kind of shook my entire worldview when it came to my view of church was when uh, Harvest celebrated Savannah and my wedding. And it was just this moment where it was just like, this is a community coming together to celebrate us, and to celebrate what God has done in our lives. And it really showed what, what the community of the king looks like. And it made sense to me finally why it was that Jesus' first miracle had to do with a wedding. It finally clicked for me, the importance of community there. God through harvest has surprised me most because he got involved with the way that I see church. And he's, he's radically transformed my understanding of church. I've had to rework my entire thinking about theology to revolve around church. And this sermon, I'm going to focus a little bit more coming up on, on some of the biblical aspects of what church is. Um, and I want to focus on those aspects. There's more than just what I'll talk about today, but I want to focus on those aspects of church that really captured my heart here and that I want to encourage everyone here at Harvest to keep doing 
when I leave because it's, it's so powerful and it's so helpful going forward, especially in a generation where more and more people are falling away from the church. I'm going to start with uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40. In these verses, a, a lawyer comes to Jesus, testing him. He asks, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first great, greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Again, these verses have a lawyer ask Jesus what the greatest commandment of the law of the people of God is. Remember, a law is what keeps a community together. The lawyer asks, what is the most vital aspect of the law for the community of the king? So if we're actually going to be the community of the king, we can look at these two and actually try to figure out what's going on in them. And so first he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And for this, it, this verse has always reminded me of one of the first Bible studies I ever did was out of First John. In First John chapter 1, you don't have to flip here, but First John chapter 1, John says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You see, here John's expanding our idea of what it means to love God. He's saying if we're actually going to love God, if we're actually going to have fellowship with God, we're going to have fellowship with one another. We're going to have true community with one another. St. Basil, expanding on this verse, said, The image of the king is also called the king, and the honor given to the image reaches back to the original. So if you and I are made in the image of God, the honor we give each other the times of fellowship we have with each other is a way of fellowshipping with God. It's a way of being with him. And that should be central to the church, not at the periphery. We don't just come on Sundays to hear the sage on the stage say something special to each of us, and then we leave and live our lives out of that place. We're supposed to come and be a community here so that we can be a community everywhere in life. The church is supposed to be a place that you can go to in the hardest times and in the best times of life. It's supposed to be a place where you can share with each other. This is your community. These are the people that you have fellowship with, not just times of worship. The times of worship are amazing, but true fellowship where you share your lives with one another. The early Christians understood this. The early churches understood this. And way more often than most churches, Harvest has understood this, at least in my experience. And I want to encourage that. Keep doing that. Fellowship's at the center of, of church, not at the periphery. But then, as all of us know, anyone who's in a relationship or in a marriage knows, if you want to have fellowship, you have to have forgiveness, right? And so John goes on and he says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. You see, John understands that for a community to actually be a community, we actually have to have honesty and true fellowship with one another. 
honesty enough to say, you know, this is a place where I messed up. I wish I had done that more when I was the youth director, because there were multiple times where I messed up and I wouldn't confess it. I wouldn't tell anyone, like, eh, I probably could have done this better. I probably could have done that better. I probably shouldn't have. Yeah, anyway. Um, but I think part of that is that when we do community, it's, it's, it's all too often we're trying to be shiny. We're trying to be perfect for each other because we only see each other once a week so we can get away with it. Right? But the Bible wants us to actually have community with each other that's honest, that's real, where we share our lives with one another. Going back to that verse in Matthew chapter 22. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus replies, the second is the greatest commandment. Or the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to look to your left right now, if you can. I want you to look to your right. These are first your neighbors. These people in this place. Christ wants you to love each other as you love yourselves. Aquinas said that to love someone is to want what's best for them. So if you want to actually love the world, if you want to actually make a difference in the world to expand out, as I'll say in a moment, if you want to actually make a difference, you have to first start by loving each other here. Because if you can't love the people in the church, how are you at all going to do a good job of loving the people outside of the church? How is that going to happen? Because you see, Christ in the Gospels is inviting us into a garden. Right? We see it as the garden tomb. It's a garden where Christ's resurrection occurs, where our resurrection is bound. But that garden is only one of three gardens in the Gospels. There's one back at the beginning in Genesis. And in that garden, God is walking with his people, and they're naked and unashamed to be honest and real with each other, to share with each other, and to share with God. And it's also pointing forward to a garden in Revelation chapter 22 where the throne is before the tree of life. And it's another garden where we look to as our hope, as a people based in Christ. But it's also a place where there's sharing and there's communion with God. That's what it means to be the church. To have community with each other, honest community, real community. Not the kind where we programmatize it and here's, here's the events that you can come to, but, but times where we actually say, hey, let's Let's go and get, get lunch after this. Let's go and be with each other. Let's go and actually learn to like each other and learn to love each other well. It's hard to do, and it's, it's impossible at a large church. This place is exactly the type of place where it can happen, a place like Harvest. It's exactly where we can have a real community church. I want to close a little bit quickly, but I want to say Jesus calls the earliest Christ followers his mother, and his brothers. And it's this weird verse for a lot of people, and it was never weird for me. At least not for the last year since I've actually understood what church is about. It hasn't been weird for me. Because I didn't have brothers growing up. I have two sisters, and I barely had a mother growing up because she passed away when I was very young. But looking out at you all today, knowing that this is my last Sunday here, I'm happy to say that you harvest for the last four years have been my mother and my brother's. You've been in my community, and I hope that you can continue being that moving forward. I encourage you to lean into the aspects of community that you do well moving forward. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this place.
I thank you for the people that you've brought together at Harvest. I pray that you continue to lead them, continue to guide them, continue to guide us. Bless us as we move forward in time and we move forward towards your kingdom and your glory. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.